Well, good morning. So glad that you are here on this Thanksgiving weekend, whether you're joining us online or at Otis. You know, I do hope that you had a good or great, you know, Thanksgiving, although I'm sure for many of you, like me, it was a little bit different. Like, it's different for me to be on this stage. This is the first time I have been on this stage, Thanksgiving weekend, since I have lived in the uh, inland northwest, because most often we are always down celebrating what we call our thanksmas, you know, experience with both sides of our family. We head to Southern California and we send Thanksgiving Day with one family and then the next day Christmas with one different family and then Saturday day, Christmas with another family. And so we just kind of put the whole week together. The kids are out of school. And so we didn't get a chance to do that. But uh, as my boys said, they got more video game time. So they were more excited this year than ever. You know, but I am curious because it is a week of Thanksgiving, what you are thankful for. In a year of chaos and calamity and pain and just upheaval in so many different ways, how much more important is it now than ever to say, God, I am thankful for this. And so just go ahead and whisper to somebody next to you at Otis, do the same thing. Again, if you're online, put it in the chat and just say, this is what I am thankful for this year. What can you be thankful for? So just kind of whisper it, you know, uh, to each other. Now, speaking of Christmas, you know, while you're whispering and chatting, you know, as well, uh, this uh, is now officially the Christmas season, although it's a very controversial subject I have come to realize when it comes to the idea of when the official Christmas season actually begins. So some feel like uh, you cannot begin the Christmas season until at the very earliest, the day after Thanksgiving. Others have said, wait, how many of you guys would say that? Raise your hand. Okay, so you cannot talk about Christmas today at Thanksgiving. Put that in the chat, you know, as well. Uh, others have said, uh, nope, um, not a day before December 1st. Doesn't matter where Thanksgiving happens, I am not doing anything until December 1st. And then some of you are like, nope, immediately after Labor Day. You know, um, we are Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Then the rest of us are like, it's covid all bets are off. Put them up whenever makes you happy. You know, that's, uh, that's the reality for this year. Uh, what's interesting about the Christmas holiday is it's the only uh, uh, holiday that we have that we actually count down to, right? It's, it's 30 days till Christmas. It's 20 days. It's 10 days till Christmas. You don't do that for Thanksgiving. Eight days till Thanksgiving. You don't do that for the 4th of July. Six days till the 4th of July. Now, some of you do it for your birthday. And I'm not talking about kids. You know exactly who I'm talking about. 20 days until my birthday. Just want to let you know, speaking of which, it's 16 days till mine. So just want you to you know, be aware of that. So speaking of Christmas, I just do want to take uh, just a second today. It's going to be a few minutes to be able to tell you about Christmas services and our Christmas service offering. Now, with Christmas services, this year is going to be a little bit different because of space issues. And so we're going to have you know, our normal Christmas Eve services, but we call them Christmas services because we start way back, like on the 22nd. So you can't really call them Christmas Eve services. So the Christmas services, we're going to have, you know, seven here, you know, at Barker. You're going to have three at Otis, three at Freeman. You're going to have all these online as well. And so here's what we need you to know, though, is that space is going to be limited. And so we're going to need you to actually sign up. And you can go online to be able to sign up to register a spot before it gets full. And I promise you it will be full this year. Just to give you an idea, we probably have capacity on site for about 2,500 people. Last year, we had over 6,000 people that attended. 
So it gives us a little idea of how we're going to be able to do this, going, okay, if every seat is full, in auditoriums, we're going to have overflow seating that you can register for, on-site as well. Uh, we're going to have online, again, for all the services. In fact, our online experience is going to be completely different than our on-site experience because we want to make it special and enticing. But most importantly, here's what I want you to hear. Christmas services is the one time during the year where people who are not connected to Jesus will accept an invitation from you to attend online or on-site. Uh, we call it our Super Bowl. Believe it or not, more ungone Christians attend Christmas Eve services than Easter. It's not even close. Uh, Christians come to Easter. You know, they, they, come, they come in mass. You know, they come back to Easter. But for Christmas Eve services, this is our chance to really invite people online or on-site. So let me just be a, a, just a subtle encouragement. If you have no plans to invite anybody who's not yet connected to Christ or not yet going to a church, can I just encourage you to watch online this year? Just because we're worried about space. We want people to encounter Christ in the, in the room with what we believe that God's going to kind of do this year. And so we're going to need you to sign up. Sign up for your friends. Be able to do that. Uh, one of the services is already filling up. I already looked online. And so you just got to just be on top of that as soon as you can. Now, secondly, Christmas service offering. Now, it's one of the best parts of Christmas is not what you receive, but the best part is when you give. And Steve said it last week when he spoke. He said, buckle up, because this is going to be the most significant or major opportunity that we have as a church to impact our community for Jesus Christ. I mean, I've never been more excited about a Christmas offering. 100%, every single dollar that comes in, we've done this for the last six years now, including this year, goes outside these walls to local or international people in need. And so get this, this year, and you have this on your seat, you're going to be able to see it online, you know, as well in terms of the information, is for every dollar that's given, we're going to be able to help take care of people's medical debt in our community. There is a company that we're partnering with that has people who've gone to collections who are severely in need and they cannot pay it. They will allow us to take care of people's debts, pennies on the dollar. For every dollar that's given, it takes away $100 of a person's debt. Our goal is to raise $200,000 for Christmas services. Do you understand what that would mean? We would be able to take care of $20 million of debt that people have in our community that have gone to, gone to collections. $20 million. That's the goal. In fact, don't just hear it from me. I need to hear you to, to feel and understand the weight of what this feels like in a person's life and how that weight gets lifted. And so we're going to take a few minutes because I don't want you to miss this. Go ahead and watch you know, uh, as you see this right now. Every year here at Valley Real Life, we have the tradition of taking a Christmas Eve offering or Joy to the World offering where 100% of it goes to a need outside the walls of this church. And we're partnering with RIP Medical Debt to alleviate thousands and millions of dollars of debt. Check this out. For every dollar you give, it's going to pay off $100 of medical debt. And you multiply that by what we are going to do as a church. Our goal is to raise $200,000 to pay off $20 million of medical debt 
for families in this region. On Christmas Eve and leading up to Christmas online, you can give to this, which is going to be the biggest give in the history of Valley Real Life Church. We never got sick at our house, but when she was 15, she started getting a little sick. I finally convinced Crystal to go to the doctor with me. She was diagnosed with leukemia within about five minutes. She'd been going into her sophomore year in high school. And that old summer, while her friends was, were out learning to drive and having boyfriends and water skiing, she's been in the hospital, sick as a dog. The third time that she relapsed, the drugs just wouldn't touch it anymore. The day they said she wasn't gonna make it, we sat on her bed and I said, we're gonna plan your wedding today because we might not ever have an opportunity to do this again. And besides, I want to know what it's going to look like. And she went to the junior prom with the strength that I have no idea where she got because she was weak as a kitten. And a month later, she died. After she died, I looked at the bills, and there I had a stack that was, you know, four or five inches tall anyway. The insurance had paid about $800,000, which meant my part was eighty. So I called the hospital one day and said, I need a final total. Could you um, add up all the times that she had been admitted, and there were 38 of them. Well, the next week, she finally calls me, and she says, I called to tell you that I don't have a balance. And I went, what do you mean you don't have a balance? How can you not have a balance? You just added them up, right? She said, my boss and I have really been working on this, and, and we're not going to be sending bills to your house anymore. I went, what? Why? Where are you going to send them? I don't understand. She said, you don't understand. There is no balance. But I said, who can I send a thank you note? She said, mm, nobody. It's, you don't know them. She was passing along something that God had blessed me with. There was nobody to thank other than God. That's why I'm so excited about this program, because I would so love to be there when, when other people get that envelope that says, you don't have to pay this. God has taken care of it. I'm really excited about that, and I want to help somebody else pass this along. And people, you can help. There are literally thousands of families in situations just like that that don't know how to come out from underneath this medical debt. RIP Medical Debt works with hospitals and medical providers to negotiate their medical debt that is in collection or money that they don't even know if they'll, they'll be able to recover. And so for every $1 that you give, it will pay off $100 of medical debt. And the goal this year we have as a church is to raise $200,000, which will pay off $20 million of medical debt, which will cover every single family that qualifies in this region. So join with us this Christmas and be part of the biggest give in the history of Valley Real Life Church. <clears throat> Now, that's worth giving to, you know, that's worth helping, especially, you know, this year. Uh, one side note, let me be clear, uh, because I know I'm going to get me or Steve or might get emails saying, can you take care of my medical debt? Uh, you, unfortunately, no. Again, it's only for those who have gone to collections, 
who have gone to that severe level that we're coming alongside to be able to help in this time of need. Now, again, if you're struggling, we want to help you. We want to try to come alongside. But if you're thinking about this, I just want to make sure that's clear, you know, along those lines. But in the midst of 2020, we have a chance to experience maybe the most meaningful Christmas in our lives as we impact others for eternity. Why don't we pray as we go into now our time and our message. God, thank you so much for just the opportunity that you've given us. Father, in a season where, we, where there's a tendency to kind of shrink back and to hold back, Father, we want to be your church and to move forward in great confidence. May you continue to put on our hearts what that means this Christmas season. And Father, those who are going to be helped, may they know they're being helped by you through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we kick off this series now, he will be called, oh, what's, what's in a name, you know? Names are part of the birthing process. In fact, you talk to any, you know, couple who's having a child, it's one of the most stressful things as well. What are we going to call him? What are we going to call her? What's their name? And you don't want to mess up because you know what it's like to get made fun of when you were as a kid, you know, because you're like, oh, why did my parents name me that? And, you know, some parents don't think. They don't think about the ramifications of what their child may experience. Like one family uh, recently named their daughter Cash Money. Cash Money. That would be a pretty painful one to live under. And, and even though I love him, Russell Wilson, love Russell Wilson, football player, he named his child Win. Win Wilson. I mean, just imagine when that kid doesn't. You know, what a painful experience, you know, that is going to be. Another family whose last name was Wright named their daughter Eileen. Eileen Wright was her name, you know. Uh, or how about the Price family, you know, who literally named their life, their, 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 their daughter Lois. Lois Price. The Lois Price right here. One gal, you know, uh, named Helen said she married a guy whose last name was Back. Back. Helen, Helen Back, Helen Back. She said that was true after about 10 years. Helen Back. Okay, so names are important. Names are important. You got to think through these names when you're actually going to name a child. But what you're known for is far more important than your name. What you're known for, I mean, your name is one thing, but what you're known for is something entirely different. In fact, that's why even God would come to certain people and they had a name, but he would change their name for what they would be known for, for the significance that God would lead them or give them in their lives. Abram, whose name means high father, was changed to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Simon means God has heard to Peter, which means rock. Naomi means beautiful, but in her experience, she changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. Now, in our culture, we don't change names as much, but we do give labels or descriptions like that person is, is high integrity or, oh my gosh, that person you know, is great and they're generous. And so there are these labels and these nicknames that are given to people. And here's why this is important. As we come upon Christmas, Jesus, which means Savior, was given a lot of other names and titles that accurately describe who he is. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, is the premise of our series. And it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, which is a sermon in and of itself, and he will be called, notice what he will be called, even those names Jesus, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
So we're going to take the next three or four weeks and unpack what does each one of those mean as it pertains to Jesus and how does that impact our lives in this season and beyond. So we're going to start with wonderful counselor. Now that is a Hebrew word that's pronounced Pele Loez. Now obviously Pele means good soccer player, uh, which is what Jesus obviously was. Now it literally means in the Hebrew, <laughs> pastor jokes, I'm sorry, they're bad, uh, beyond understanding. That's what it means. It means beyond understanding. The best word we can come up with is wonderful, but it's beyond that. It's too wonderful for words. It'd probably be the best way to describe it. Loez is translated as counselor, which as you know, means advice or consult or to guide. But here's the key, to guide or to counsel from a position of authority. That's what that means, from a position of authority. Don't think of counselor just like the friends that you call late night. And be like, hey, I'm going through this time. And, you know, oh, yeah, I bet that hurts. That stinks. You know, well, I don't like her, too. You know, those kinds of counseling opportunities. What you're talking about is almost the, the best way to put it is like when we go to a professional counselor. We're, we're going to someone who has authority that we're looking for guidance and advice to impact our lives, not just come alongside us in, in, in just some trivial things that are going on in our lives. In fact, I asked our counselors, our professional counselors on staff, what is the purpose of counseling? You know, they said it's to come alongside one who is suffering, who is going through something they can't manage by themselves, to encourage, to help retool as Jesus, they says, does actually his work in their lives. Here's the reality. I have visited professional counselors many different times, and many of you have done the same as well. And I know that usually when I go is when I'm stuck. When I don't know how to solve this on my own, I don't know how to navigate or get through this hurt or issue or obstacle that I'm facing emotionally, spiritually, or mentally. All of us right now are going through stuff. <laughs> I think that's, a, that's an obvious statement for this year. All of us could use a wonderful counselor. So I'm curious, what are you struggling with? What are you hurting? Where are you hurting? What are your strongholds? What are your dysfunctions? What can you name and say, this is something I'm of a hard time getting over. And this year has been a magnifier. They usually say it's the holidays that magnify things. And I would say, yeah, the holidays magnify it. But when you're stuck at home, and if you've got a struggling marriage, let me just tell you how much that magnifies things. If you've got issues with kids, and all of a sudden you're in this quarantine kind of home environment, if you're struggling with finances, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm not sure I'm going to have a job, all these things get magnified. If you're stressed out, and you go through even more stressful situations, all this stuff gets magnified, and you begin to wonder, where am I going to go? How am I going to get through? And so I just want to get very practical, knowing that Jesus is called our wonderful counselor. How do we receive help and healing from him? How do we receive the guidance as he's the authority figure in our lives? Uh, first thing, there's only a couple things. First thing you need to do if you're going to find healing and hope from Jesus is you got to be completely honest with him. You got to be completely honest with Jesus. In Psalms chapter 62, verse 8, Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Every counselor will tell you, you cannot face what you've not yet identified as the root cause or the issue that you're facing. A lot of times we're like, well, if it's this or it's other people or, you know, this is what's going on. You're like, no, 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 this is what's going on. And as soon as you're able to be completely honest, completely vulnerable with Jesus, then all of a sudden it's the first step to receiving what the wonderful counselor can provide. But many of us hold back. 
We hold back because of the way this truth in our lives makes us feel, the shame or the guilt for us to admit that we have a part to play in whatever we're facing or going through in life. Psalms 32 verse 5 says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And whether it's something you've done or others have done to you, you've got to be completely honest. See, God's not going to change your life without the opportunity to change you. He's not going to be able to do it. We have to be honest. And there's a fear in trying to be honest when the full extent of our problems is revealed. What if, what if God or, or what if other people, in fact, if I begin to share, what if they walk away? What if they look less on me? And God's not going to do that because the presence of our wonderful counselor doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. In fact, there's a story in John 4 where this woman was really messed up. She had messed up her life any which way and had a string of broken marriages, was in the midst of an adulterous relation at the time and was deeply, deeply unhappy. And what'd she do? She kept trying to hide all of that in her interaction with Jesus. Right, Jesus is coming to her and just saying, let's talk about this situation. So finally, Jesus just goes right at her and says, look, I know that you've had five husbands. I know that you're currently living in an adulterous life. I knew that when we started the conversation, and guess what? I'm still here talking to you. That's how much I care about you. That's why I love you. But until she was willing to admit, this is my issue, here's the issues in my life, and be completely honest and transparent, he wasn't able to help her in the way that she needed help. See, our wonderful counselor knows all about you when he comes to you and when he comes to me. And he still loves you. It's almost funny. It's almost like we think we're hiding it from God. Just say that out loud. You know, I'm, I'm hiding this from God. It's like when Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden. Like, where are you? It's like when my kids, right, when they were little, they would hide. And, you know, they'd just be in plain sight. But they think they're hiding because they put their face in a couch cushion. And, I, and I'm like, I don't see you. It's almost like what we do with God, right? We're like, God, well, God won't see this shame if I hide it deep or dark enough. And we need to be honest with whatever we're struggling with. Could be, like so many people today, you're just depressed. And you wake up just wondering how you're going to get through this day. You wonder if there's any hope for tomorrow. Others of you, maybe you live in fear. Always worrying. Always wondering what's going to happen now. What's the next bad thing? It just seems to get worse and you live with this kind of anxiety. Maybe you're stressed. You look at your to-do list and you're like, nobody can get this done. I've given my list way too much, way too long. Some of you guys are in financial stress, already hurting. How are you going to pay for these bills? you got Christmas coming up. How is that going to happen? Some of you are just lonely. You know, we've had such isolation. Loneliness has just gone to a whole other level. And you see other people gathering, and you've not been able to gather because you've been online doing what you need to do to protect yourself and to protect others. And yet you find yourself more alone than ever. In fact, if you're online, can you admit one of those things that you might be going through. Some of you, maybe it's more of a family sickness. You know, you've got somebody who's going through some stuff in your life, and whether it's mentally or whether it's physically, it's just hard. I know here, so I can tell you about me. I find myself more angry these days than I can remember. It's the little things. I mean, there's just been building up over and over. I'm angry at others, 
and their reactions to things. I'm angry at myself for how I'm reacting to others' reactions to things. I'm, I'm angry at decisions that people are making that are creating divisions. I just find myself, as I told my wife yesterday, I find myself just at the brink of being angry all the time. I'm trying to admit and trying to work through that during this season. See, we're all struggling at different points in our lives right now. Can you acknowledge yours before our wonderful counselor? Can you acknowledge that maybe this season you're on the brink of possibly getting a divorce, but you've not even just admitted that? You're on the brink of something that you're hooked on, that you, you've tried to bury deep, but you know that you can't overcome whatever that addiction is in your life. There's hope and there's healing. So we've got to be honest, though. You can't find hope and healing with our wonderful counselor unless you're honest with the counselor about what you're going through. That's step one. Number two is that we want, we have to want to be healed. That might sound silly at first, right? You, you, th- you think people always want to be healed, but you'd actually be surprised. In fact, in John chapter five, Jesus says, one of the men lying there had been sick. Imagine this, for 38 years, when Jesus saw him and knew, he knew he had been ill that entire time, he asked him, would you like to get well? It's a silly question. Now notice the guy's response. Does he say, yep, I want to get well? That's not what he says. He says, I can't. I can't, sir. The the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the water. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. They see, they thought this pool, you know, uh, uh, when it got stirred, that the first person in could miraculously be healed because it had happened at one other time. So all these sick people were there, and the first person that came in, they thought they had the best chance of healing. But Jesus didn't ask him the reasons or excuses for why he was sick or why he couldn't be well. He just says, do you want to be well? Do you actually want to get better? See, I've known many people in my own life, and I look at my own life as well, who might complain about the circumstances or situation or honesty of what I'm in, but when you actually push on me on actually making some changes that'll actually bring relief, I really don't want those things. And I don't think I'm alone. See, it's the best question for our great counselor is going to ask. After you're honest with what's going on, is like, all right, do, do you really want, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? See, here's what Jesus is getting at. We want God to clean up the mess of our lives without dealing with the choices and patterns that got us into that mess, right? Like, come on, just wave your your magic wand and make it all go away. No, we've got to get to the root of that. See, we like the concept of change, but not really sure we want to do the hard work of change. In fact, uh, St. Augustine, you know, a famous theologian, who in his confessions described himself as praying this, God... Make me pure, just not yet, right? God, make me pure, but, you know, just let's wait a little while. Like, I'm kind of enjoying the impurity of whatever my thought life or whatever is. And so do you want to be well? So we've got to be open and honest. Secondly, we have to want to be healed. And lastly, we have to listen and actually do what the counselor tells us to do. We have to listen and do what the counselor is. So Jesus was being baptized, And this is what happened in Mark chapters 9, verse 7. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and the voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly son. Listen to him. Ever have a child or friend come to you, and you listen to them? Then you give them some great, life-changing advice, but they don't even consider following it. 
Like, thanks for your time. It's John 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. See, Jesus had an instance where a guy comes to him wanting to be made right, says, here's where I'm at, God. Here's where I'm at, Jesus. What do I need to do? And look at Mark chapter 10, verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was so young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I want you to notice that our wonderful counselor, genuinely he loves him. This is his purpose. There is still one thing you haven't done He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The man went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, Jesus is not asking everybody to give everything that they have. This was the thing this guy needed that he had put above God in his life. And he says, all right, you want to be made well? You want to have a right relationship with God? I've heard you. You've been honest. I'm going to give you some advice. Now you're going to actually have to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And why am I asking you to do it? Because I genuinely love you. Just like a parent genuinely loves a child. And oftentimes the child resists what the parent has to say. As we read the New Testament, one of the things that stands out is how often Jesus asked people to do some crazy things. You notice that? You know, once in healing a blind man, he spits on the ground, makes this mud pie, and slaps it on the guy's eyes, and then says, Go wash it, and you're going to be made well. Why didn't he just snap his fingers? Why didn't he just say, You're well? Sometimes he did that. But in a moment, we have to decide do we really trust Jesus? True trust means we're going to do what he actually has to say. Believe it or not, there are some people that don't want to live in the inland northwest. I was one of those people. I grew up in Seattle. I don't want to ever go back to Seattle again. I just want to make that, make that, make that but true. But coming up to this area, we had been living in California and Southern California, Southern California, Northern California, which we love Northern California, and Arizona, and God called us to Post Falls, Idaho. Nobody ever circles on a map. I can't wait to live in Post Falls, Idaho. Okay. Now, why? Why would we do that? Because we thought our great counselor in a time of need was asking me to come and to heal as well as to grow. And my wife especially was most obedient to that calling because she never lived in a city smaller than, than Sacramento. Okay, So this is like going to the moon for some of you and I. You know? And so she was willing to come and we were willing to come. Why? Because we were trying to follow, not just say, but follow. Okay, some, of, some of you think, it's man, what a great thing it is to adopt a child. It is not a great thing to adopt a child. It is a good thing. It's an honoring thing. It's a God thing. It's just not easy. You know, it's, not, it's just not easy to be able to do. Now, why would we do that? Because we were listening to our wonderful counselor, you know, who said, this is what I'm asking you to do in the same way that he asked this guy to sell his possessions, and we were trying to be obedient to that calling. Now, have we done this all the time perfectly? No. But God is asking you to do some things that's going to help you or it's going to help other people because he's your wonderful counselor. Out of sincere love, Jesus may be speaking to you very, very clearly that maybe you're in a dating relationship, and he's asking you to break up with that person because it's not good for you, but you don't want to hear that. Maybe you're comfortable, and he's asking you as your wonderful counselor, as somebody who loves you, that you need to downsize, that you need to be more sacrificial, especially in this season. Maybe you need to swallow the pride and say, you know what? I need to go to a professional counselor 
who can focus me on Jesus because I can't overcome this addiction or the situation in our lives. I don't know what it is, but I do know that Jesus is there. And as a wonderful counselor, the way that we're able to use Jesus in our lives, we got to be honest with him. We have to actually want to be made well, and then we have to do what he says and watch our lives be better for it, even if it's not the easier path. So for you, as we wrap up, what is Jesus, who is the wonderful counselor, leading you to do today? What is that for you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for those who are online or at Otis, who are here at Barker. I pray that you would just guide, you'd lead, and you direct our steps. Father, help us just to start with being honest. Help us to slow down just enough to be able to admit to you, here's what I'm struggling with. Help us to get to the root of that struggle. And Lord, secondly, maybe for those in this room who, who are watching you know, online or, or at Otis once again, who have identified that, that, Father, that we would actually say during this Christmas season, we want to be made well. We would admit that. And then thirdly, we would actually do what you ask us to do. You're just there to love us and to help. God, if there's anybody in this room or online who's not yet received you, I pray that today would be the day. What a better Thanksgiving than to focus on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.